All right, we're going to be uh, dealing with the parable that's found in Luke chapter 7, verse 36. Uh, and uh, the subject of, of this uh, study is on being grateful. On being grateful. What it means to be grateful. Uh, and Jesus gives this really profound example of this woman uh, whose sins had been forgiven. Uh, and see the gratefulness in her heart. Uh, even as Jesus is invited to the home of a Pharisee for dinner. Now, here we have the Lord in this passage dining with a Pharisee. Uh, and he often would dine with Pharisees. They would ask him to come to their homes. Uh, and this passage, this incident took place in Galilee. Uh, and like the other Pharisees who had invited Jesus to a meal, they weren't interested really uh, in expressing love for Jesus. They were not open-minded inquirers, but rather they were basically looking to find ways that they could indict Jesus. Uh, they believed Jesus was a blasphemer, uh, and, and so they, they were looking for ways that they could trap him uh, and ultimately find a way to put him to death. Now, these self-appointed legalistic guardians uh, hated Jesus. They hated what he stood for. Uh, they hated how he related to all kinds of people. They hated his message of grace, repentance, and forgiveness because they were sold out to ritual and to law. Uh, and so they, they found Jesus' message repugnant. And so even though they invite them into their home, uh, it's not that they do this out of respect. Rather, it's out of finding what they can to bury them. Uh, and they were uh, doubly annoyed with Jesus because Jesus didn't hold back. Jesus rebuked them for self-righteousness, uh, for being hypocrites. Uh, and Jesus really uh, also regularly associated with the outcasts of society, and that annoyed them as well because they would never ever affiliate themselves with the lower part of the social order. And so the Pharisees' invitation to Jesus was part of an information and evidence-gathering procedure. Uh, no self-respecting Pharisee uh, would ever really align himself with Christ. Uh, they would never do that. And Jesus was well aware of this man's motive for inviting him uh, into the house. Yet Jesus graciously reached out. What does that say about our Lord? He knew his heart. He knew where he was. He knew what his intentions were, yet Jesus went along. And I would say that that's a great lesson for me, and I hope for you as well, that there are people in the world who are not friendly towards our positions, yet, you know what? Jesus wants us to open our hearts to them uh, and to uh, affiliate with them to invite them to church or invite them to Bible study because all we can do is be the messenger. We are not the Savior, all right? And that's something that we have to learn. We are not the Saviors. And so God is really resonating with us so that we go out to people who are not like us, who don't speak like us, who don't have the same shared values, and yet God expects us to do that because this is how we're going to impact a lost world. So we can now look at Luke chapter 7, uh, beginning with verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, 
he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. And let me stop and just tell you that that was typical of how they ate. They didn't sit at a table. They would recline on rugs uh, and divans. And so they would recline around the place. And as I've studied this, what I've learned is, is that the doors to these facilities would be wide open so that it would be typical for outsiders to come in as well. So if you invited a, a, a rabbi into your house, a teacher into your house, there would be outsiders who would come in who would stand against the wall. They wouldn't really be part of the dinner, but they'd stand against the wall to hear what was going on. That was not unusual at all. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house, so she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. That's how she came to, to be in that house. Don't think she was invited. She was not invited. Most likely, as we study this, that she was a prostitute. Uh, and, and because uh, of the convicting words and loves of Christ, she had come to faith. We don't know everything about it, but we judge it based on her actions, that she had become saved. And one of the elements of salvation, and it's a key element of salvation, is gratitude. Gratitude. Because when you are saved, you have a spirit of gratitude. The first thing that you're grateful for is salvation. You thank God that he has saved you, that he's reached out across eternity and saved you. So if, in fact, God gave you salvation, are you entitled to anything else ever again in this world? If you got nothing else ever again from God, I would mark that paid in full. Amen? And that's the sense, the overriding sense of gratitude that God expects us to have, to know this and to be grateful for it. And so here she is, clearly an outcast, clearly at the bottom of the social order, and she comes to this house. She knows what's going to happen in this house. They're going to look at her cross-eyed, and she comes in because she's grateful for what Jesus has done for her. And so she comes in with an alabaster jar of perfume. It's quite expensive, uh, quite expensive. But she loves the Lord so much and is so grateful that she wants to do that. Continuing on, as she stood, verse 38, as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Uh, and I'm struck by the fact that she is weeping. Now, we don't see any colloquy here between Jesus and this woman. I'm sure it took place before in his travels. But whatever took place, whatever Jesus said, it has so convicted her and so touched her heart that she can't stop crying. And you know what? Tears are an indication of the heart. Tears are an indication of the heart. When, you're, when your heart is broken, when, when you are convicted uh, of our sin, and knowing what God has done for you, you should cry. You should cry. And thankfulness and conviction to what God has done. And you see this here. It's such a poignant story. Uh, and so she, she was weeping, and she began to wet his feet with her tears. This must have been some scene to see this. I can just imagine this room where filled with Pharisees and other uh, hypocrites watching this former prostitute go before this rabbi, this great itinerant rabbi, and wash his feet uh, with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. Wow, what a scene. 
When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, now stop, think, how, how did Jesus know what he said to himself? <laughs> what do you think? What do you think? All right, what do you think? He's only God. Uh, and, 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 you know, think about that really as to how God knows our thoughts, our thoughts, even the, the most secret part of our thoughts. He said to himself, if this man were a prophet. Now, now think about this. Jesus hasn't done a thing yet. Hasn't done a thing, and they're already indicting him. If this man were a prophet, he would know who is touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. There it is. There it is. She's a sinner. We don't affiliate with sinners. We don't want sinners around here. He ought to know this. If he were truly a godly man, he would know that she was a sinner. And so Jesus now really answers Simon. And he gives her a small, a, a small parable as an example. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain moneylander. One owed him 500 denarii and the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, well, oh, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Whoever, let me repeat that, whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Jesus is outlining salvation. This is salvation 101. When we have been forgiven by God our debts, our heart is overpouring with gratitude. And this woman received salvation. And Jesus knew it. He saw it in the expression of her love and in her life. Then Jesus said to her, your sins are forgiven. Can you imagine? Your sins are forgiven. Um, and so, as we, as we focus down on this, your sins are forgiven. Uh, and, and, and look at all the things that Jesus outlined, outlined in terms of the love of the woman. And you see, Jesus noticed everything. When, when I came in, she washed my feet with her tears. Then she wiped them off. Uh, then she kissed my feet. Uh, then she poured oil on my head. And she has poured perfume on my feet. She has not stopped showing her love to me once. God expects your gratitude. And so I would say, question number one, are you truly grateful in your life? Have you thanked God today and every day for what he has given you? Have you thanked him for being saved? 
Have you thanked him that he has given you a congregation of fellow believers that you can come out to? Have you thanked him that there's a Bible study provided for you for people that love the Lord? Have you thanked him for that? Have you thanked him for all of the interventions of, your, of, his, of him in your life? Have you thanked him? Uh, have you thanked him that you've reached the age that you have reached? All right? Some of us are at ages we couldn't even count the number that high a few years ago. Am I right? Think about it. And there are people here that are well into their 90s. And you want to know something? They look like they're in their 70s. Have you thanked God for that? All right? Have you thanked God for that? Think about all the things that God would expect you to be grateful for uh, as part of, of uh, salvation. And the question is, are we grateful? Have we shown God that? Uh, and so Jesus says there, uh, your sins are forgiven. Then verse 49, the other guests began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? Yeah, who is this? There's only one. There's only one who ever walked in this world who could make that statement. And Jesus then said to the woman in verse 50, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. Your peace. Your faith has saved you. Your faith in Jesus Christ. Your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your faith in giving him your life has saved you. And, and the salvation is so evident. So one of the things we need to focus on is that not all of the Pharisees were bad. There were some that weren't. We know that Nicodemus was a Pharisee, came to Jesus at night. Uh, now we never know whether uh, Nicodemus became born again. Jesus issued that proclamation to him that you must be born again. Uh, and Nicodemus leaves the pages of scripture at that point. But Nicodemus re returns along with Joseph of Arimathea, who was also a Pharisee, and they take charge of the body of Christ. Now, I would tell you that these two men, who are both members of the Sanhedrin, for them to stand up and take charge of the body of Christ, obviously they had made some serious decision about Jesus. Uh, and so I do believe that Nicodemus had become a Christian, uh, even though we don't know that specifically. But there's an example where we have uh, two Pharisees that have stepped out. Uh, and so uh, we see certain Pharisees having respect, but the vast majority of the Pharisees did not. They did not. And so Simon was part of that community. Now, uh, unfortunately, we sense that this man was not quite as open as his invitation might have led us to suspect. He's inviting Jesus, but we don't see any evidence of that warm invitation in the way Jesus is treated. It was customary in those countries, if I invited you to my house, that I would give water to you to wash your feet. I would attend to your needs as you came into my house. That was typical and expected. He didn't do that with Jesus. Uh, he was rather off pudding. Uh, and so he neglected to do the simple customary things that would have evidenced a warmness uh, and a receptivity in his heart. And it's hard to believe that that was a mere oversight. I don't believe that was an oversight. That was clearly an indication of what was going on uh, in his heart. And so the story shows Simon to be skeptical, skeptical about Jesus, skeptical about the character of Christ. And he himself was going to be a judge of Jesus' character. How about that? You're going to be a judge of Jesus' character? Well, let me tell you, it's going to be a long night for you, friend. A long night for you. 
Uh, and so no doubt he deliberately postponed the courtesies that Jesus was entitled to as a regular guest uh, because he, could, he believed that Jesus was not worthy of that honor. He was not worthy of the honor. So again, you see the fact that, that there was a subterfuge going on here. There was a whole other sense of purpose with Simon in bringing Jesus into his house. Now, the second character in the story, other than the woman and Simon himself, is Jesus. And effectively, Jesus is on trial in this house. He is in trial uh, before the Pharisaical community. Uh, and as always, Jesus is never aloof. He is always full of grace. Notice Jesus. Here he is in a house filled with people that are not admirers. And instead, Jesus comes in full of love, full of grace, uh, uh, and being so civil uh, and approachable that this woman can do what she did because she loves the Lord, even in this hostile atmosphere. Jesus never sought honor from anyone. He never sought honor for anyone. That's an important lesson for us uh, as we work for the Lord. Don't live, think that in order to be successful in this life, as you work for God, that you're going to be honored. Most likely, you're going to be dishonored. Sorry to say that. Even within churches, okay? You remember the uh, screw tape letters where the senior demon said to the junior demon who had uh, been steering his patient to hell, and that patient had just joined the church, and the senior demon said to his nephew, fear not, dear nephew, we do our best work in church. Someday I'll, I'm working on a book called Sacred Scars about the damage people have endured in church. Merely being in church does not guarantee that you will not suffer. Let me just tell you that. It does not. Because Satan abides everywhere. And if you think Satan cannot put his nose under the tent of church, then you haven't been going to church that much. All right? Uh, and I can tell you as having spent a lifetime in churches that I, I know about this. Now, I'm not indicting all churches. I wouldn't do that. I gave a sermon yesterday about the first century church and about how God commanded us to be together in church. We are to go to church. We are a part to be in a church. We are to have fellowship in a church. That's the call of God on our lives. And if you don't go to church, if you're not part of a fellowship, then you're outside of the will of God. It's very clear. It's very clear. So, but as we do that and we work within churches, don't expect honor. Your honor is going to come when you step from this world into the next world. That's when your honor is going to come. And so Jesus never looked for honor. He never did. He accepted hospitality wherever it was offered. He came to the world to save the lost. And he would go to wherever the lost would be. And then lastly, we see this woman. Now, she has no name. We don't hear from her again. We are only told that she lived a sinful life. We're not told about the nature of the sin, but we presume from the way that it's written that most likely it was prostitution. But she had obviously repented of her sin uh, and because she bought an alabaster flask of ointment standing there and weeping before Christ. It's the weeping nature that indicates, Father, forgive me for what I've done. Thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. And you see the nature of conviction in the heart. 
and the pouring of this expensive perfume on Jesus as you see the sense of gratitude. Gratitude indicates salvation. When you're saved, you're grateful. Uh, and it is impossible to imagine this dining scene that, God is, that Jesus talks about in terms of our Western culture. Uh, because the guests didn't sit in chairs as we do today. They reclined on rugs and pillows around various low tables, uh, and they were public affairs. Many uninvited guests would come uh, to the house, even as they would not eat. This woman would be snubbed and scorned. Think about it. She's going into a house owned by a Pharisee, uh, a legalist of all legalists, whose pals are in there as well. This is set up really to trap Jesus, and she walks in there knowing what it's going to be like. But you see, that's when you're saved and you're grateful. You know that God has called you to be an example, and so you walk into places where you know you may not be well-received. You understand? You may not be well-received because that's the call of God on your life. I want to say that to you. You see that here with this woman. She did not care. She loved the Lord so much and was so grateful for him that she would take that vituperation. She would take it because it didn't matter. She loved Jesus. She was there because of Jesus. She loved him that much, and he loved her. She knew that he loved her. And so the question I have for you, do you know today how much Jesus loves you? Do you know how much he loves you? You have a sense of gratitude for what he has poured into your life and for what he has given you. She wept for her sin. Wept for her sin. And I have to say that I, I can identify with this because it's typical for me in a service when I'm touched that I find myself often weeping. And why? Why? It's because I reflect really on what I could have been, where I would have gone with my life that he intervened, that he called me, the privileges that he gave me, that without him, where would I be? I'd be out there. I wouldn't be any better than all those people that are out there in the world. And the question is, what about you? Where would you be? And how grateful are you for what the Lord has given you? Are you truly grateful? And so you see this. That's the nature of weeping for our sin. And even now, even in the sense that we know we're forgiven, know we're forgiven, we still weep when we, when we reflect really on what God has done for us, the nature of the gift. Um, and she tried to show love to the Lord in such a profound way. Uh, and so Jesus did not spurn her. He opened his arms toward her and welcomed her. And so the Pharisees, seeing Jesus act like this, immediately think negatively of Jesus. What kind of prophet is this? What kind of prophet is this? He doesn't even know the kind of woman who is anointing his feet. And so Jesus tells the story about being, being thankful. And you see the heart of God understanding it. The two debtors, who would, who would be more thankful? The one who was given a, a small forgiveness or the one that was given a great forgiveness? Well, we would understand that the one who was given a great forgiveness would be more grateful. Well, where are you? How much has he forgiven you when you think of where you would be? And he went to the cross for you. 
Can there be any greater sense of forgiveness than that? Oh, God, let us, let us have a clear understanding, Jesus, of what you've done for us, the profound aspect of forgiveness. And Lord, help me to be more grateful. And I would say this, that that's a prayer we need to make. Lord, help me to be more grateful. Help me, Lord, because in my human nature, I'm not grateful enough. I need to have a heart of gratefulness. And it begins with you as I understand this. Uh, and so this woman turns from sin to salvation, and the evidence of it is right there in this house. Uh, and Simon saw only her past. You see, that's the world. We're judged only on our past. Jesus doesn't care about your past. You understand that? Your past is prologue. It's the rest of your life that counts. When you've given it to him, when you've bowed before the, the, the Lord, the Lord doesn't care about where you were or what you did, even as the world take notes. I remember you. I remember you. One of the things that I had to get over uh, as God had called me into ministry was the fact that I knew that people who knew me would never believe that I'd become a preacher. I understood this. You? I know I, I saw people that knew me from my days in court. You? I saw you in court. I saw what you did to people in court. You? You became a preacher, but you have to understand, you get to the point where here's the thing, I'm called by God, I'm not called by man, you're not my judge, God is my judge. You understand? And here's the other thing that I had to get over. I had to get over the fact of holiness. Holiness, all right? One of the things that held me back for years was that I determined I was not holy enough to get up and speak for the Lord. Well, guess what? nobody's holy enough to get up and speak for the Lord. You understand? And it's only when I got to understand that, that nobody is holy enough, that I could come up and speak because I was speaking from his point of view. And, I, and that's the point of gratitude. Yes, Lord, I understand where I was. I know you've forgiven me. The guy that used to be that guy is not that guy anymore. He's a different guy. Uh, and I don't care what people say. I don't care what people say. I care what you say. And so you see this. Uh, and so Simon did not understand Jesus. Uh, he believed that Jesus had to be judged because Jesus was affiliated with a sinner. Uh, however, Jesus did know the character of the woman. He had forgiven her, and he had determined that she had, had been a legitimate salvation person. Look, we know the story of the woman caught in adultery. As Jesus forgave her, what did he say? Go and sin no more. Okay? We don't elevate the sin. We don't elevate the sin, but we elevate the forgiveness. We elevate the forgiveness, and we elevate the gratitude. Uh, and so, you see, the other, the other message here is that Simon didn't understand himself. You see, Simon was a sinner. Uh, and the root cause of ingratitude is sin. Let me repeat that. The root cause of ingratitude is sin. And our age today is an age of ingratitude. Husbands are not grateful for their wives. Wives 
are not grateful for their husbands. Children are not thankful for their parents. We are not thankful for our friends. And the reason for that is that we are only thinking of ourselves. The world is completely narcissistic. Uh, and I mean, there's no other way to phrase it. And so when you get up, do you think, oh, I thank you, Jesus, for giving me this wife, this woman that cares for me and loves me, this woman that, that takes care of my house, takes care of my needs, that prepares the meals. Do you thank her? Are you there and being thankful for what God has given you? Let me tell you something. Look in the mirror. Do you think you'd ever be able to get anybody else but the woman you're living with? <laughs> Snap out of it. <laughs> Believe me, you're done. And wives, wives, are you grateful for your husband? Are you grateful for the years that he went out and worked and hard work uh, and maybe his body has suffered for it? Are you grateful for that? Are you grateful that God gave you a man in your life who loves you and took care of you? And some of you have lost your husbands and you realize how important it is. Are you grateful for the years that you've had together? Are you grateful for that? Well, then say it. Tell them. Show your gratefulness. That's what it means to be a Christian. No, you don't have to say, well, she knows my heart. No, she doesn't know your heart. You don't even know your heart. How should she know your heart? But instead, in, in gratefulness, do that. And our children, our children. I mean, this is so sad. So many kids are just not grateful at all for the sacrifices, for the sacrifices that the family has made. I've seen families go into almost poverty in order to send their kids to good colleges and educate them. And then, and then what happens? Then they don't associate with their parents. Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on us. Uh, and so Jesus is showing this uh, and addressing Simon. The Lord contrasted her obvious love for him with the total indifference of Simon. Now you get a picture of God. Here you have the one woman juxtaposed with Simon, and that's the world. Here's the woman who is sold out in love with Christ and grateful for what he did, and another guy who is totally indifferent to God who thinks he's serving God, who's honoring the law, and yet the law says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your might, with all your soul. What explanation is that of gratitude? There's no gratitude there. We don't see it. And Jesus said, I entered your home. You gave me no water for my feet. But she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You gave me no kiss. But since I came in, she has not ceased kissing my feet. You did not anoint my head with oil, but she anointed my head with perfume. Her demonstration of love for Jesus gave clear evidence of her transformed life. You understand? Clear evidence of a life transformed. And that's what we look for. We look for the evidence of transformation. It's not mere words. It's a life transformed by salvation and gratitude. She loved much because she'd been given much. To he who has received much, much is expected in return. Look at what God has done for every one of us in this room. Look, look where you are. Look where you're spending your senior years. Look where you are. Can you find a better place to live? All right, I know the traffic's bad. I understand that. 
But aside from the traffic, and that'll come to, the, to an end in about another month or so, uh, but think about it. Think about it, how God has blessed you, and he's brought you into congregations where you've been affirmed, where you come out to Bible studies, where you can be with people who love you and care for you and pray for you. Are you grateful? Are you grateful? Do you thank him? Uh, in contrast to this woman, filled with gratefulness, Simon had insulted Jesus by failing to offer common courtesies. Insulting the Lord. And I would say that God looks at a lack of gratitude as not just insulting, but sinfulness. Sinfulness. Uh, and Jesus said to Simon, for this reason I say to you, her, lo her, her love, some of which, her sins, some of which have been forgiven, but she loved much. But he who is forgiven little, loves little. Uh, her outpouring of love for the Savior was the mark of a transformed life. Transformed life. And so you see the transformation was evident to anyone who was there in that room, reclining there. Her, her love was the result of salvation. Salvation is by faith alone, and it produces eternal peace. I want you to look at Romans chapter 15. Verse 13, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Filled with hope and joy and peace. You understand that? Filled with love and hope and joy and peace. Now this was not the only parable that Jesus told that relates to gratitude or ingratitude. He also told the story in Luke chapter 17 about the ten lepers. Uh, and that's an important story that you can read at another time. But he was talking there in Luke 17, verses 17 to 18, about the ten lepers, in which Jesus said to them, go and show yourself to the chief priest, you've been healed. And so they go, and as they're walking to the chief priest uh, to be certified, they're healed on the walk. Now only one leper came back to thank the Lord. All ten had been healed, but only one had come back. Uh, and so... Uh, what, what do we see here? What we see is Jesus responded to the one that came back that, that God values the least. He values the least. But he also honors faith. Uh, the ten lepers weren't healed until they stepped back in faith. It's when they stepped back in faith to go and show the high priest even as they were not healed, then Christ healed them and God healed them. Uh, and so faith becomes a key aspect of undering, underlining our lives. Uh, and so God cherishes gratitude. Uh, he cherishes it. It becomes a key way of communicating with him. Uh, and we need to understand you. And, and, and in so many ways. The, the Apostle Paul wrote about this in a number of passages, uh, saying that we have to give thanks in all circumstances. Uh, there's a citation that I have here uh, in 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 5, Verse 15, uh, in which the Apostle Paul said, he alluded to this, when he instructed the church there to give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in 
all circumstances for Christ Jesus. Even on bad days? Yes. Why? Because you're saved. Because you're going to heaven. So yes, there's some dark days. Maybe you're not feeling as well, but you still give thanks. The first thing we ought to do when we get out of bed in the morning is thank you, Lord. You've given me the grace to see another day. You've given me the chance to speak about you to somebody else. You've given me a chance to impact the kingdom of God. Yes, that's what God wants. And when you live your life like that, when you walk like that, God honors that. And so what I would say is we need to have a mindset of gratitude in every aspect of our life. Uh, and, and we need to develop a daily rhythm of thanking God for his love and faithfulness every morning and evening. Uh, and that becomes important to understand this as, as we do this, that, that God expects us to do this, that that is part of our, our relationship with God. We need to learn how to forgive those who have hurt us. That's part of having gratitude. Lord, I'm grateful for, for the fact that you've saved me, Father. And even as I'm grateful for the salvation that you've given me, Father, give me the grace to forgive those who have hurt me. To forgive those who have hurt me. Someone said to me this morning, that's an act of willfulness, which I think is so true. You willfully have to do this. It doesn't come naturally, but you're saved. And that spirit of gratitude has to pour into your life. And as you're grateful for what God has given you, you cannot help but to reach out to someone who may have hurt you and forgive them. Forgive them. Because that's what God expects you to do. I would say this to you, that the essence of you, for most of us here, in communicating our faith to the world is not in mere words. Most of us are not called to be preachers. But every one of us is called to live a life committed to God. And when you live a life filled with gratitude and love, the world cannot help but notice. There's something different about that man. There's something different about that woman. What is it? How do they live their lives like that? I know that they've had some hard times, but yet look at them. Look at the expressions on their face. Look at how they walk. Look at how they remain committed. It's your life that becomes the poster for Christianity. Can I get an amen on that? I mean, this is a key part of understanding this message today. The critical importance of gratitude. Gratitude for what God has given every one of us. And having that gratitude pour out of our lives like this woman who there in front of a bunch of people who were hypocrites, who hated her, who hated Jesus, she didn't care because she would show her love for the Lord, show her love for the one who would die on the cross for her. That's the nature of how we live. That's how we live here to have a life so imbued with the grace of God, filled with gratitude for what he has done for us, that the world cannot help but notice it. That's my prayer. That's the essence of this lesson. Let's bow our head in prayer. Lord, I thank you for the message that you've given us, the example of this woman. Lord, we're so struck by the importance of gratitude. We're so struck by the, the fact that when we're truly saved that the gratitude pours out of our life. Forgive us, Father, if we have not been as grateful as we should have been. Forgive us 
if we have not expressed our gratitude to you. And Lord, right now, on behalf of all of us, we thank you, Father, for what you've done. We thank you that you have saved us. We thank you that you have called us. We thank you that you allow us to be part of the kingdom of God. We thank you that there will be a place for us in eternity. We thank you that when we get there, we will see our loved ones who have gone before us, who have committed themselves for you. Lord, you gave us this. We could never thank you enough, Father. And so as we leave here today, our heart is filled with gratitude and a promise that we will be eternally grateful. Be with our people. Protect them this week and bring them back to continue the study of your word as we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you all.